Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast with practical advice for the mid-career professionals. Hey, Liz. Hey, Kat. So, hey, we are super excited tonight. We are honored to have Dr. Carrie Root joining us. Carrie is an author and consultant, and she's had a fascinating career and is here to share with us and talk about her newest book, The Other Soft Skill how to solve workplace challenges and generational intelligence, a book about how to work with people of all ages and backgrounds and communicate effectively in the workplace. Welcome, Carrie. We're so excited to talk with you today. Well, thank you, Kat. That's a wonderful introduction and I really appreciate it. Awesome. And hi, Liz. Hi. Good to talk to you too. You too. Um, so before we get into workplace communication, let's I want to dive into your story and learn more about you, Dr. Carrie Root. And as Kat mentioned, you know, you have a PhD in mechanical engineering. You refer to yourself as a professional troubleshooter. You've had a fascinating career in systems engineering and now own an educational consulting company. So tell us your story and how you got to where you are today, including we want to hear about how you broke barriers uh, throughout your career. Well, um, I had a lot of barriers to break. I, was I a, could tell. Uh, a, a, a female working in, you know, the Navy, where, you know, was often the only female in the room until I got into some more R&D things. And then there were more women mathematicians and scientists. But um, it's been a very male-dominating career. So I did what any good self-respecting engineer would do and pretty much ignore the fact that there was a gender difference in the room. <laughs> Love, do. It. Love it. Let's talk a little bit about the book. And I, I we're curious about how you ended up studying and writing a book on intergenerational communication. Well, you know, sometimes in life, everything comes together at once. Right. And that's kind of what happened to me. I had uh, two daughters who were in college in Florida and I was up in Washington and I decided that I didn't want to be that far away from them. So so I relocated to Florida. And then sequestration hit. Do you remember mm -hmm. that where, you know, money got really tight and it was real problems. And uh, my, my, my command was really happy to keep me on, but they were struggling to have other problems you know, programs funded. And, mm -hmm. you know, what I did for them was future investment. In order to meet the requirements you got out there, you need to start investing in things here. And sure. for the next year or two or whoever knew how long, there wasn't going to be that money for investing forward. And Don and I knew that I would go crazy if I didn't have my teeth sunk into something. Mm -hmm. So I told them, look at, I, I, I can go find another job. And I, I have periodically worked for NASA and NOAA. Okay. So I went to work for them, but mm -hmm. I decided since I'd moved, I was only going to work part-time. Mm -hmm. And I thought about all the things that I had been seen over the last 10 years. You know, when you, you're what life gets quiet, you're able to put a different perspective on some, on some. Not just truth. That's certainly something the last couple of years have shown us. Yes. <laughs> And I, in, in thinking about that, um, I realized that I, I wasn't seeing the kind of teamwork in teams like I had before. Interesting. And 
this was coupled at the same time I had, uh, when I moved down here, you know, I had more time because I wasn't traveling all the time. I had been invited to join the local Rotary Club, which I did. And they have a wonderful program here in Florida called Take Stock in Children, which targets a population that in, in the past was, has been very challenged in terms of graduating from high school. Um, and this program promises uh, four years paid tuition at Florida State, you know, community college and and, and university. Cool. As long as the child agrees to stay out of trouble, to graduate, to maintain a C average, to turn in their homework, et cetera. And their parent or guardian has to agree to show up at parent teacher meetings, you know, look at what comes home in the backpack, respond as name, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's taken that graduation rate from like, 36% to well over 90%. So it's a hugely oh, sick program. Awesome. But me and, you know, I always want to pull the thread. Well, what happens after they graduate from high school? Right. It's successful mm-hmm. for that. But are they, you know, are these individuals able to, you know, take advantage of that? And I found out that um, at the time I looked, only about 40% were getting any kind of certificate associate's degree and it was just a very very small percentage that was that were earning a bachelor's degree right because it's expensive to go to school well they were getting free tuition but but just room and board and all that stuff you know the auxiliary costs these these uh young adults i mean they had a lot more to worry about a lot of times you know they're 18 they're getting out of their houses they're having to you know, deal with how do I feed myself? How do I mm-hmm. transport myself? How right. do I, you know, all the, you know, all the challenges that they had to face. And they may and be the first one in their family going on to many know, further times. education and that they don't have role models. That's true. And I, I tip my hat to many of the community colleges in this country right now. They're really paying attention to the fact that um, special coaching and encouragement and programs are needed to help those first generation and low income students 100%. succeed and, and, you know, with their engagement and re- their retention. Because I really believe education is the key to success in life. It, Absolutely. It doesn't mean you, you can, you can be educated, you know, and through the school of hard knocks. I mean, oh, yeah. but you're getting educated, right? You need mm-hmm. to pay attention. You need to show up. You need to be engaged, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that was going on. And through Rotary, I had opportunities to talk to people in HR and many different organizations. And I was really struck by the tone that I got with regards to hiring and giving opportunities to interns and graduates from community colleges. And what I was hearing was, well, we find diamonds in the rough, but they're just too rough. Mm. Now, in my career, I had the opportunity to work for many large companies. IBM put me through their management training program. They put me through their, their federal system sales program. When I was at MITRE, they put me through negotiating skills. I mean, I had lots of professional development mm-hmm, opportunities mm-hmm. at companies that really invested in training for their staff. And my thought was, we have 90% of the workforce that usually doesn't get access to good, high-quality leadership skills training, mm-hmm. yeah. um, soft skills training, human skills, essential skills. There's many, many names for it now. Sure. But the bottom line is we all need it. I don't care what position you are. You can always use use training to get to that next level of mm-hmm. better interpersonal skills, better communication skills, better awareness of the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And 
the more I thought about it and I thought about how the teams were not necessarily working so well together. And when I had really thought about it, especially like in an engineering sense, older engineers, they've earned that corner office, you know, they expect a deference. Well, you know, the, the younger generations coming straight out of school, they're used to working in a team environment, mm-hmm. but that team environment is very homogeneous. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of the same, contributing their ideas. And then you have senior staff that want to be deferred to, and that doesn't necessarily work so well. You have many different ways of communicating today. Many, you right. know, you know, through social media, through texting, mm-hmm. email, who, through Slack, right? All, all how many Gen Zs do you know that like to pick up a phone and call mm-hmm. some? <laughs> No, not very many. Well, no. So, so how about the older generations? How many are, are you know, looking at their Slack feed? Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. there's just lots of opportunity. I, I should say, for those of you who can't see this, we're all nodding. No. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you know, many older generations. What's a Slack? Right. Right. Um, but uh, you know, these communication challenges are real. Mm-hmm. When we developed some of our training programs, one of the things we always coached was, you, you know, especially for people like realtors or working, you know, intergenerational sales, make sure you know how your client wants to get information. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. So let's think about a young realtor who now is working with a with an older clientele who are significantly older. Maybe they're moving out of their home to be closer to a child or something like that, mm-hmm. where they're going to want to go and, you know, see a house. That's what Absolutely. they're used to. I couldn't imagine buying a house without seeing one. I don't know about you, Liz, but maybe that makes us old, right? No. Well, <laughs> and, and, you know, COVID's really changed that because so many have, have bought houses online. But true. Most people will spend the time, especially younger generations, looking through and sorting out and figuring out what they want by seeing things online. Mm-hmm. Sure. And an older and, you know, significantly older person, you know, in their 70s or 80s, they may not do yeah. that. Right. Um, they may not want, they may not want or trust DocuSign to mm-hmm. sign a contract. They might want to be able to see something and read it and feel it and talk and have that realtor walking through each section and page like they have done before and if that young realtor doesn't know to talk to them about the process and what their expectation is chances are that young realtor is not going to satisfy that older couple's needs sure Mm -hmm. and so you know these things these generational differences if you just recognize them and understand why they're there they're easy to accommodate and Mm -hmm. and then you get you get past a whole bunch of problems totally so like we talked a little bit about communication styles and things like that, like in the workplace, um, what do you feel like managers need to be aware of in connecting with an intergenerational team? Well, I I think that manager needs to set up the stage for conversation, for Mm -hmm. setting expectations. That entire team needs to know what the direction is. Now that's not it's not unique to an intergenerational problem. That's just good management. That's just communication. Yeah, But it especially needs to be done now. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, I think what really helps is you have the opportunity to set up some, you know, one-on-one partners or, you know, work buddies or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a quasi-mentorship. Yeah. You can really take a team in a, in, in a very positive way because you're, 
instead of people working with, you know, oh, that Gen Z or oh, that baby boomer, you know, oh, that millennial, you start getting to know the person. And instead of characterizing them as their generation, you get past that. And we do business best when we're doing it with people we know, we trust, we Mm -hmm. understand. I think that is probably the most important thing that a manager can do with this team. And it's about setting norms and and understanding. So if I have a team, I can't say Susie likes calls and Janie likes text and this one likes Slack. Like, I'll, we'll all lose our minds. But if we say, okay, everyone, for project updates, we use this. And for if you have a question for someone that isn't a one word answer, you know, let's pick up the phone or get on a zoom and talk about it. Like, so if you establish these norms and model it yourself as a leader, you can then hope that the team follows suit. And I yes. think you're, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Kathleen. Oh no. Um, especially if you have someone who might not be familiar with that technology as sure. if you've done the buddy thing, then, you know, you have somebody to talk to. Hey, how do I set this up on my computer? How can I, you know, you, you have people, you know, I have found that one of the one of the most difficult things as a manager to get somebody to recognize or admit when they might not have mm-hmm. an understanding of something and they ask for help. Mm-hmm. People don't like, they like to think mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing and know how to do that. And yeah. it's hard with new technology all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, having a buddy system where it's much more personal and, you know, it's it's not scary to say, hey, can you help me set this up? You know, the person who knows to do that, say, hey, are you familiar with this? Can I come help? Show, can I show you how to do that? Yeah. And creating that organizational culture of helping Mm -hmm. as opposed to being so competitive, you know, you want to burn someone's cubicle. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and adaptability is the number one trait that's going to help you be successful. Whether you're a boomer or Gen Z, you've got to be adaptable. And we've got so many new technologies coming at us all the time that you can't say, nope, I'm not going to learn had a slack. You know, I I don't know if I've told this on the podcast many moons ago, my dad's company refused to get email because they would lose their fax revenue. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> um yeah. Then they they got email eventually, but mm-hmm. like they held off because that fax revenue. Okay. Yeah. It makes you wonder what they lost in productivity. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. even want to think about it, but right. that was like you can't get stuck on the fax machine. You're going to lose a whole, I mean, can you imagine a company that, oh, we don't email, we still fax. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So you can't get stuck on your fax machine or, no, you can't, or right? you're going to be left behind. And as a member of the team, you're going to also be left behind because you're not able to go with the new norms of the team. You have to mm-hmm. adapt. Liz, you have a wonderful way of making things succinct and focused. I thank you for taking my thought and make it sound so good. I think about that story all the time. <laughs> That's a great example. Absolutely. You know, I think, Carrie, what you're sharing is so important. And it's like, you know, Captain Obvious when you say it. But I think not everyone thinks about that. So bringing, mm-hmm. you know, I think this book is is great a resource for all generations, right? To be able to have insight into how how to facilitate deeper mm-hmm. connections between the people you work with. For sure. And, you know, when we have that, 
there's more cohesity in the team. There's more mm-hmm. respect. It's just it that being able to understand people and be empathetic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really facilitates a, a stronger team. And that's, I, I think it's necessary. And it's difficult when it falls on a manager to figure this all out. Mm-hmm. You know, getting teams to work well together is one of the biggest challenges out there. Mm-hmm. But if you can do it, no, you're going to be very, very successful. You're going to be way. Absolutely. So I have a question. When someone is managing a person older than them, what can you share? You know, what tips do you have that would help them to be aware of at least? What pitfalls might they want to avoid? Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that, you know, that person is not a generation. It's a person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. The second thing is that these generations do have different trends and characteristics because of a lot of things, because of technology, because Mm of world events, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But you really need to be a good active listener and you need to understand that what you might be motivated by might not be what that person's motivated by. Mm -hmm. So it's really good idea to have the conversation to understand what your older employee is motivated by or and the other thing is not be afraid that enjoying some reverse mentorship from insights that an older generation person could share with you. Yeah. Um, I, I think that a lot of times with the younger generations there, you know, they might feel a little insecure in that situation mm-hmm. where they may find that the older person is really happy not to have their job. <laughs> they might be really happy not to have yeah. to deal with you know, performance reviews and annual appraisals and Mm -hmm. all this other stuff that comes with being in that name management job. But they may also have some really good observations and helps and guidance and whatever. Get to know that person, develop a relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. You're not threatening your authority Mm because you're not relinquishing your authority. But there's a lot of wisdom out there that you can tap into. And, you know, it's always better to learn from someone else's mistakes instead of repeating them yourself. I think that's such a good tip because it's like, I think knowing the person's background, knowing what they've done and then respecting it and saying like, what's your perspective or Mm -hmm. or, what do you think I need to know to be successful in that job? Like reversing it and saying, how do I best manage you? Mm -hmm. If you, you know, you've been in the Mm -hmm. workforce for 20 plus years, you probably have some tips and tricks on managing yourself. Like this is how I respond best or whatever. But I also think that trying to be authoritarian is gonna backfire. I had, I had a a vendor who was is a recruiting vendor, and she's like, in all my time recruiting product managers. Now I've spent good good part of the last twenty years recruiting product managers. She spent eighteen whole months, so she was like telling me about she was the authority, and I'm like, mm, sweetheart, mm, that's not gonna go well. Like, and I did not embarrass her on the call, but. If she had known anything about me, she probably wouldn't have addressed me that way. And if she had looked at your LinkedIn profile, she would have seen your depth (laughs) in PM recruiting. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. all my experience. Oh, honey, I'm biting my tongue. But I think to say, like, you've been doing this for 20 years. You know, what do you think? Or Mm -hmm. what's some tricks that you've learned? Or what is your key to success? Or whatever it is. Shows People want to just be seen. 
Mm-hmm. So if you show me that you see me and appreciate my experience, I'm going to appreciate maybe your leadership skills, your willingness to project manage or whatever it is that you're leading. Um, as long as you don't make me feel like I'm being tossed aside or, you know, discounted. Uh, I, I think you, again, Liz, you've really taken the, this conversation and in a very succinct way, focused it on what, what's important. Um, we have so many opportunities to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. That happens easiest if you take the time to develop relationships. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, you develop your skills as an active listener. That's probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I think listening is like the most underrated skills skill in the workplace. I think if everyone focused on being a better listener in meetings, in relationships, and all of those things, I think things would go a lot smoother. Well, how many times are you talking to someone and you know that they're not listening to you because they're focused more on what they're about to say next? Amen. You can just feel it. Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. Hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Did you hear any of that? <laughs> Yeah. So Kat asked about managing someone older. What about the reverse? You know, for us old managers, when we're managing someone younger, you know, millennial or Gen Z, and what what do you suggest? I mean, my, I'm going to guess you're going to go with the listening and the same sort of skill set, but what are some tricks to really connect intergenerationally with younger folks besides being authoritarian, which we know does not always go well? Well, in, in with my company, we uh, we're small right now, mm-hmm. and I have the majority of my staff are Gen Zs. Okay, mm-hmm. so I've had to come up this learning curve pretty quickly. But one thing I found from my Gen Zs is they're incredibly intelligent, they're motivated, and uh, they have fantastic ideas. They really, really do. Mm-hmm. And just remember, Liz, what you were saying about how being heard uh, fosters engagement yeah. and fosters, you know, a, a willingness to, to look beyond themselves and to, into maybe your skills. A Gen Z wants to be valued. They want to see where their impact is. They want to have opportunities to learn and to, tr- you know, and, and to um, have new, uh, they want new experiences. Yeah. They want to feel like they're growing all the time. And that can be exhausting for a manager unless you figure out how to set them up so they can learn from each other and not, not always able to take it from you, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, my Gen Zs are fantastic. And they've just basically taught me that I need to have a little FaceTime with them on a very regular basis. Yes. They need to have um, uh, the opportunities to try things new. They need a lot of encouragement. And they need tools. They need the best software, the best hardware, the best phone. Now, and when you look at the cost of capital, the cost of equipment is very small in comparison. Right. So try to keep my my entire team populated with the hardware they need to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. And I listen to them. I really try to listen to them and I try to give them new experiences when mm-hmm. I can. And, and it only benefits me ha- having a company where I have to do everything. That doesn't make sense. Having mm-hmm. a company where I, I see that my younger staff 
are growing to the point where they can do customer calls by themselves. They can mm-hmm. go to conferences awesome. by themselves. You know, we're a team. We have bring our own strengths to do our curriculum development. That we, mm-hmm. to, you know, I mean, watching the team do their work and being able to see the team put mm-hmm. it together is just that's so much more fun and so much. It makes me feel like I'm doing everything right when I can mm-hmm. see my team execute and develop something that I have not had to, you know, pull the strings on. Mm-hmm. They and because they're they're smart, they can do it. Yeah. They mm-hmm. they've had the opportunities. They and they've learned that they can figure things out. And if they need something, they'll come ask. And there's there's no penalty for asking a question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no penalty for asking for something that you need. Totally. Yeah. And you know, and you might just get it. Right. Right. I just get it. Yeah, no, it's true. And and you can like set them in a direction and let them go. I have older staff as well. And, and they're just, they're behind that whole theory, you know, mm-hmm. let them run, let them do it. Mm-hmm. Let yeah. them learn, you know, and, and what we get is just so incredible. It's just, it's wonderful. It, you know, I, you gotta, you, you gotta get to know your staff, you gotta be able to trust them. But once mm-hmm. you have that, let them go. Yeah. Let them create incredible things. Let them feel, you know, a sense of accomplishment. And probably most importantly, let them understand how what they do contributes yes. to the company as a whole. Yes. Let the them impact. see that. The let them understand have. that. That's right. And then you get the engagement. You get, mm-hmm. the, you know, they're happy with their jobs. That's wonderful. It sounds like it's a great culture. Yeah. And you mindfully built that. That's that's what I think is important. To well, me. I have to tell you, I do yeah. not come. I do not come from a history that would get me there. Okay, you know, I was raised in in, in a household with a very authoritarian father. I grew up and did my career in a very hierarchical organization called the U.S. Navy. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have to give credit to the people that I first started this company with. Mm -hmm. My early curriculum developers were just so fabulous. And they were, you know, they were pretty harsh on me. And it was change is hard and everybody hates Mm -hmm. it, but you have to do it. You really, you you have to do it. If you're going to get there, you got to look at what you do wrong and figure Mm -hmm. out how to do it Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been a work in progress here, but I've learned to keep my eyes open, to pay attention, to show up. Mm-hmm. you know, and to provide opportunities when I can. And th- the formula seems to be working. I think it was Einstein saying, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again uh, and expecting a different outcome, yeah, that's the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that quote. Try and it's so things true. new. Yep. Try it yep. new. It, it, might, it might seem very painful at first, but you might see something positive and then it's that much more motivating the next time you try something now. Totally, you know but what? leaders have to as... enable that, right? Yes, a leader it... has to say, it's okay to fail as long as you learn from it. That, that's right. Well, now that's, that's not my be point. Mm-hmm. You are so on top of it, Liz. If, mm-hmm. if you, learn from, <laughs> if you learn from something that didn't go well, it doesn't necessarily mean that was a bad thing. Like, no. um, uh, Edison you know, took what, 10,000 tries to make his light bulb? Yeah. But he didn't look at those 9,999 attempts that didn't get him there as sure. failures. He just looked at them as, well, I know not to do that next time. Right. Learning opportunities. You know? Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, he had a very positive mindset from that perspective. And that's some, that's another challenge for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, when it doesn't go well all the time, it, it's easy to kind of, you know, get down in the dumps. But I read something online today. Um, and it had to do with be so positive. Negative people don't want to be around you. And I think there's something about that. <laughs> But it's true. Who wants to be around a negative Nelly 24 seven, right? It gets, it's exhausting. It's draining um, to be able to, to be able to hold a perspective of positivity and growth and growth mindset. You know, that may be challenging sometimes, but it's so much better than to be the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. But I also think as a manager, I mean, I say it to my kids, like if they screw up, I'm like, okay, so what would you do next time? What Mm -hmm. would you do differently? Hindsight Mm -hmm. being 2020. And it's like, I say that to my team too. I'm like, oh, okay. So what, what would you have done differently? What can we do? Mm -hmm. What can we change? Okay. This isn't working. What, what can Mm -hmm. we do differently? And like allowing that without it being punitive, Mm -hmm. that'd be like, oh, you're such a screw up. Be like, okay, cool. So moving on, Mm -hmm. going forward. I think that allows people to be creative and to come up with different ways. Absolutely. Of doing things. If they're too afraid of, you know, dealing with a perfectionistic boss, yeah. it's going to be much more challenging to, to take risks. Mm-hmm. For sure. So for sure. we touched earlier on mentors, you know, how just even within an organization, mm-hmm. it, it's helpful to connect people and to, to mentor each other. And I'm curious, you know, we, we, we get questions a lot. We've done a couple episodes on mentorship, but I'm curious what, what your thoughts are around how people find the right mentors. Mm-hmm. I get asked that question all the time. Where do you find You wrote a, a book on it. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is, this is where you have to keep your eyes open for the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think even before you go looking to for a mentor, you need to understand what you need to bring as a mentee mm-hmm. to the equation. Um, that, having an understanding of your responsibility will mean you're probably going to be more likely to find somebody who's willing to work with you and work with you effectively. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those sort of things are, you need to, you know, set an expectation. You need to look at this as a short-term, not a long-term deal. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to, to um, commit time for it. You need to be willing to work on it. All those things. Mm -hmm. If you're going to ask somebody to mentor you, they're going to give you precious time. Yeah. And if you squander it, they're not going to want to continue to work with you because they're like anybody else. You want to make sure that it, you're used to your time as your time's being used well. So when you say a short term, like I think of mentor almost as longer term, you know what I mean? Like, so tell me more, like what should someone expect if someone's going to be a mentor? What, what kind of time frame relationship would they expect? Well, I would go into it. You know, people get scared if you ask them to do something for a very long time. That is true. Okay. (laughs) So if you ask them to do something on a six to 12 month window, Mm -hmm. chances are you'll get a yes. Okay. Okay. And, and the periodicity will probably be something like once a month, Mm -hmm. maybe more often, but Mm -hmm. once a month, you know, sitting down with somebody you know, six times, you should be able to get an awful lot from that person. Mm. But the bottom line is you will know whether or not that is a good long-term person for you to continue mentorship Mm. with, Mm -hmm. or if it's, or if you've gotten, you know, 
the encouragement or direction or support or, yeah. you know, whatever it is you need from that person. And it's time to, you know, go in, in a different direction. Um, you know, find, find a different mentor. It's about setting expectations. If you go into this and you're, you're giving off the vibes you want this for the rest of your life. I mean, I, I know I would like think that would be exhausting to take on somebody, you know, to mentor for, for the next 10 years. <laughs> It might be that over time we develop a relationship and then it is a long thing. But, you know, after, you know, some intense six months or a year Mm -hmm. or something, I would expect that our relationship would grow into something different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe we touch points again annually or every six Mm -hmm. months and Mm -hmm. it's not so formal and structured and it's more of a, you know, check in, check up, work on this, work on that. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about this next time. Do you know what I mean? There's a really big difference. Um, and so how do you find mentors? I think you have to be paying attention and, and first thing you want to do is you want to be outside of your management line. You have to look for your mentors outside of your organization, mm-hmm. and, but there's lots of opportunities for that. When I was starting my company, there was a lot I had to figure out and it would have <laughs> taken me a lot longer and I would have made a lot more mistakes if I had done it myself, you know, mm-hmm. done a homegrown approach. But, you know, Rotary International, Rotary Clubs, mm-hmm. you're working with business leaders yep. Yep. And in that organization and, you know, they welcome young people. The bottom line is there's access to people who would be happy mentor you there's the small business association has a whole mentorship program Mm -hmm. and there's other things like you know if if, if you are you know scared of making presentations then there's toastmasters oh yeah Mm -hmm. i mean just have to think outside the box there's your alumni association might offer opportunities for mentorships if you get involved with them you know i I have so many people that say well i don't know how to find a mentor i don't know where to you know, it's like attention. Mm-hmm. But then they'll say, but I don't want to ask. I, that feels cheesy. Like, like let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Like, okay, I want Kat to mentor me, but like, ugh, I don't want to ask. It's so cheesy. I feel so weird. I feel so exposed. What if she says no? She's mm-hmm. really busy. You know, what, what's your response to my rant? It's a rant. Yeah. Get over um, yourself. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Go for it. You know, if, if, if you approach mentoring like that, well, maybe you're not ready to enter in a productive mentoring mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I'll throw out. The mm-hmm. second thing is I found that anytime you're making decisions on the, on behalf of somebody else, you're making a mistake. True. Mm-hmm. You're making, don't make assumptions about what other people think, right? So the, yes, you let them make their own decisions. Period. Mm-hmm. And I've said. The other thing, too, is ask them in a way that they feel okay saying no. Because mm-hmm. then if they say yes, you know they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Right. And if they say no, and but you, you've done a good job asking, they might say, you know, I don't have time for you now. Let, let's come back in a year. I might have more time. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I can't do it right now, but I'm going to ask this colleague mm-hmm. of mine who is really, you know, on top of things that are kind of in the area and where you want to go. Mm-hmm. If I was going to ask Kat to mentor me, the first thing I'd ask her to do is, can we go for a cup of coffee sometime? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, can we just, you know, and, and make it a 10 or 15 minute conversation. Don't, yep. you know, sit down and take an hour of her time. 
you know, right. but hey, hey, Kat, I've, I've seen you and, you know, promote them. Tell them why you would ask them mm-hmm. you know, what they do well, what you want to learn from them. Right. That's good um, advice. You know, don't just say, hey, I want your time. Give me, give me, give me. That's not very, you know, somebody who's going to give you time for mentoring wants to make sure that, you know, their time's going to be appreciated. And if mm-hmm. you can give them something around why you want their time, mm-hmm. why you want it from them, what they've done that has, you know, caught your attention mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, you really feel that, that, that what they can bring to the table can really help you in their mm-hmm. career, they're going to want to help. Although right. it might be that they, that they can't, but maybe they'll help you find that person that can mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think you touched on something that's really important when you're asking someone, tell them what you want. Mm-hmm. And expect. So not, I want to be in all your meetings every day and shadow you like a puppy. It's, could we have a 15-minute coffee once every other month? Because I really want to learn from you of how you structure your day and our, or structure projects and be more productive. If I say it like that, that's not as intimidating as I'd like an hour of time every day. So if you come into the, I could, Kat, could you mentor me? What I'm thinking is 15 minutes every other month, and you can really teach me a lot about project management. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? I can't right now because if I take on one more thing, I'm going to drown. But I, I have so a friend so. down the hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have something I want to throw out there to you all. Sure. In this day of I quit, which I hope we're past, mm. but we'll see. <laughs> we're <not>. All right. <laughs> the great oh, resignation. The great, yes. Um, if you had sense. someone who you were mentoring, mm-hmm. how likely do you think that person is to jump ship? If well, compared I think to someone who's not being mentored. I think if someone sees mentorship opportunities within their organization, they're probably and they're getting mentorship opportunities and growth opportunities, they are less likely to jump ship mm-hmm. than the person who is stale and stagnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, board board people will jump. Mm-hmm. I would like to see corporate America get back together with mentorship programs, mentorship opportunities, more training mm-hmm. for, you know, junior staff. There's so many training opportunities once you're named leadership and management jobs <laughs> there's there's lots of programs lots of content lots of opportunity mm-hmm. there but for entering work you know the, entering the workforce for really developing your interpersonal skills etc even if you don't go into leadership or management positions mm-hmm. that's only going to help the organization Absolutely. and it might help it in in you know uh, in tangential ways like mm-hmm. that person's not going to quit because they, yeah. they see that there's interest being taken to them mm-hmm. and they're being seen of, of value. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you consider the cost, the capital cost of replacing that most important capital, human capital, yeah, the cost of training is negligible Minor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so important. You only it only serves to, to improve, you know, mm-hmm. and, and your productivity. Um, your collaborativeness, your burstiness—it's mm-hmm. only a value. I could not agree more. Well, on that note, uh, Carrie, thank you so much for being here. We've learned so much about intergenerational communication and connectivity and management and mentorship. Please tell people 
where they can find you, where to find the book, plug away, give all the, all the handles. Oh, okay. Well, I will. Um, Good. <laughs> I lead this wonderful company called Alpha Yumi. We develop leadership skills, professional development skills, training for our niche is entry level. We really actually start with, you know, high school programs for juniors and seniors, entry level workforce, and then people who want to hone those skills to get into the next, that first name management or name leadership job. So if you're interested in programs like that, go to 5G powerskills.com that's 5g powerskills.com we use 5g in our titles because that stands for five generations in the workforce and that's Uh really important to pay attention to so that's one thing if you want my book the other soft skill Mm -hmm. i have to just go to amazon or any of the booksellers it's Mm -hmm. all there you can get it we'll link it we will link it in in print yeah you can get it in uh any different way but anyway the most important thing is to Pay attention, show up, (laughs) tell the truth, and, you know, try to learn from the people around you. And that's, I'm going to give you a a little heads up. I'm starting to work on um, something called leading without authority. Mm -hmm. All right. Which Mm -hmm. is basically, how do you get people to, to adopt your ideas Mm -hmm. if you're not the boss? How do you do that? That's awesome. That's a good skill to develop. Yeah, and I will want to say one other thing. My personal email address is carry.root at alphayumi.com. And I will spell that out slowly. C-A-R-R-I-E dot R-O-O-T at sign A-L-P-H-A-U-M-I-I-N-C dot com. I look forward to hearing from you. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time. This has been great. Thank you, Carrie. This is Real Job Talk, the podcast with practical advice for mid-career professionals. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Facebook and Instagram at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kathleen Nelson Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat. And on LinkedIn, I'm Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm Liz B. Consult. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is produced by John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And thanks for joining us. Until next time.